Saturday. What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to Wednesday Film Fight Club. Wednesday night's all right for fighting. It always is. Such a marked improvement from our actual previous theme that no one remembers. The Fight Club theme was a theme? People know that theme. Do they? <laughs> very memorable <laughs> Fight Club theme, yeah. Very memorable. So I'm Glenn Falconstein with Falcon Screen, and we are joined as always by Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Hopefully not boring you, as always, you know. As, just as always. I don't know. It's got that, It's got that. like, here he is again. <laughs> no, but you're like a staple. You're like, you know, all right, furniture. All right. you're, the, you're the walls, everything. And we have freelance writer and critic. I'm just going to say freelance writer and critic, Varat Nehru. Thanks, Glenn. But commiserations, Chris Evans. You're hanging up your shield. Playing Captain America oh, no yeah. longer. Yeah, uh, thank God for that. This, this the, 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 you know, everywhere I go, people are going to stop asking me about Marvel movies, finally. We're going to interview Chris about this in a later program, but first, we are talking all things Sci-Fi Film Festival, and we have joining us for the show, the director of the program of the Sci-Fi Film Festival, Simon Foster. Simon, thank you so much for joining us in Film Fight Club. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a fan of the show, and I uh, am keen to talk about this incredible lineup of films that I've got. You guys are all sci-fi fans, I hope, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. You're keen? You looked over the program? You know what we're talking about? (laughs) Liars. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Just flip, flip quickly, quickly. What are we? Oh, no, no. Russell, yeah, there we are. And we were th- we are not just fans of sci-fi, we're fans of many types of films. We'll also be talking A Star is Born with, later in the program. With Simon joining us. Yeah. Yes, very exciting. Interesting discussion. Looking forward to that. We just caught this last night. But first, we are talking about the Sci-Fi Film Festival. Kicks off at Event Cinemas on October 18th. We want to talk about the films. But first of all, the Sci-Fi Film Festival, what is it? What is it all about? It's been around for five years. This is its fifth year. It was started by a man called Tom Pappas, who about uh, 18 months ago very kindly came to me and said, I like what you do and say about movies on your on your website, Screenspace, and on some of the review work you do, Simon. So would you... Um Help me program the fifth annual Sci-Fi Film Festival, and I was thrilled to do it. Um, I'd done some curation work and some judging work with The Night of Horror and a couple of other the Sydney Film Festival, Sydney Underground. Helped out with Monster Fest, so I had a few runs on the board as a, a festival involvee. I just made that word up, but it's a good word, so I'm going with it. I like it. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it. We're <laughs> we'll on keep it in there. Um, so to kick things off, um, I shot off to the Rotterdam Film Festival, which has a uh, a great lineup of sort of alternative and speculative fiction films and it was out of the trip to Rotterdam that I came across this incredible opening night film that I've programmed uh, from Austrian director Johann Löw and it's called Star. Now you've seen it Glenn. You, can you describe it? Can I describe it? There isn't even a title. Probably there's no letters in the title. No, it's just, it's the, just the star. Yeah, the star. just the symbol. 550 films have been edited into a, a montage documentary um, dating from the beginning of cinema, silent era cinema, all the way up to mid-2018. Now... It has no actors in it. It has incidental music uh, taken out of context. They're literally straight um, sort of scissor cuts from the films um, leading from the beginning of cinema all the way to this year. Um, it can be a challenging film to watch. It can be a, a bewildering and beautiful film to watch. When I saw it in Rotterdam, um, it was a really emotional journey you're going because you, you go from um, films that you know uh, through to films you've never even heard of or seen, and they, they, all these images are, are, are sort of being bombarded at you. It's um, it's a fascinating film to watch. Will be challenging for some, but but I loved it. We've seen a few constructionalist, I guess, films uh, like this recently. We, we've Green been fog. talking about yeah, the Green Fog, which yeah. is. 
yeah, for people who don't know, recreating Vertigo with different films uh, shot in sa- or set in San Francisco. Um, the premise of this also reminds me a little bit of Christian Markley's The Clock. Yes. Yeah, yeah, very similar. Just a collection of images of clocks and people talking about the time in cinema to look at how time is depicted. Well, he screen. sticks so closely to the to his construct. He he, uh, he refuses to have credits in there. So very often you'll see this burst of, of star fields, this night sky sort of bouncing back and forth at you. And that's because he's cut the credits out. Um, and it, and the way that's presented on screen is like this um, staccato filmmaking effect, which is, which is just beautiful to watch. There are long sequences. There are absolutely sort of razor sharp edits they only go for like split seconds um it, like i say it hasn't been everyone's cup of tea but those that do connect with it and and you know this is one i've programmed especially for science fiction fans um and fans of of um movies in general so uh this was one one for the audience yeah I, i'm actually really excited to see it so it was it sounds some, fascinating it was something to pick out the films you'd seen i mean the green fog at 100 but this had as you said 550 and mm-hmm. to see their star trek the star wars film Roxanne. Um, I dude, where's wonderful. my car? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was going to say it's a wonderful life, but no, Dude, where's my car was definitely a much more classic of my childhood and a staple. Yeah, I had a ball watching this. I found it so interesting. Good. And I, you, you get into rhythm with it. That's exactly right. Yeah. And you start applying your own, whether it's based on memories of the films or, or just the flow, the rhythm that the film has, you start to imp- sort of impose your own narrative or your own emotions. And um, I think what he's done is an extraordinary thing. And having said that, one of the most astonishing things in the film is that it ends with To Be Continued. He's actually adding scenes from wow. star fields, from science fiction movies, um, every single year. And he plans to continue this. So in a few years from now, it could run four hours. That's an exciting prospect, isn't it? <laughs> I'm going to give myself a few years before I watch the sequel to this, To Be, to be Continued. To Be Continued, yeah. As are the other films in the festival, you have a staple of sci-fi. Again, of my childhood, there was a classic television series in the 90s, which has recently brought back with the wonderful Gillian Anderson. And she is starring in a film which is screening, I think, the day after Star. That's right. It's called. It's simply called UFO. It's her return to the alien conspiracy fold. It's a. It's a fairly small film. I had to um, really go at Sony Pictures Australia to get a theatrical release for this to get the rights. Thank you to those guys for for setting this up because it was headed straight for for the home video release in this country. Um, so this will be the only chance to see it on the big screen. She plays a college professor. Um, if I had to describe it, it's a little bit War Games, the old Matthew Broderick film, um, meets a little bit Beautiful Mind because he uses mathematical symbols and mathematical formula to try to figure out if the government are lying to us about the UFOs that appeared over Cincinnati Airport. Um, so it's quite a complex little film. It's probably not what you're expecting. It certainly wasn't what I was expecting, but it was great to see her back talking conspiracies and talking aliens. So it's a, yeah, as an X-Files fan, it's a, it's a real treat. I agree. I mean, if anyone can make mathematics sexy, it's Shannon Anderson, so I, I'm definitely on board. Very true. Very true, yes. And you also have a film with another staple of television, both of Game of Thrones and Narcos, screening later. That's one of the more star-studded ones of the lineup. It's called Prospect. Um, it's uh, it stars Sophie Thatcher as a young woman who is uh, travelling into deep space with her father, who and they're mining for um, uh, jewellery and they're mining for for um, valuable ore in a distant planet. Uh, but things go horribly wrong, and she's 
paired with Pedro Pascal, who is a uh, a, a ne'er do well deep in the, this uh, sort of far away planet. This is sort of the centerpiece of the festival. This has a huge buzz coming out of South by South South by Southwest. Screened there, it had its world premiere there, has its Australian premiere with us. It's got this wonderful retro look and retro feel to it. Um, very exciting, very moving film. I thought it was interesting. Um, it seems like in genre fiction at the moment, there's a big focus on father-daughter stories and uh, usually with some sort of post-apocalyptic yep. landscape. I wonder what it is in the consciousness that's leading to this. In video games, you know, you have The Last of Us. Sure. Um, we had Leave No Trace earlier this year, which cr- basically created a post-apocalyptic landscape out of the present day. Mm. And I noticed there's another film in the program Reflections of, of the Dust, which also seems to be a post-apocalyptic father-daughter story. You're absolutely right. Um, uh, it is a film starring Sarah Hobolt, um, a, a wonderful actress, and Robin uh, Royce Query, I think his name is. And you're right, they're they in this bleak, uh, monochrome, post-apocalyptic setting. Um, this is a very personal film. A lot of this is shot in very intense close-ups. Um, uh, the director, Luke Sullivan, it's it's his second feature. Um, it's like nothing I'd ever seen before. And the point you make is, is really valid. There are a couple of films in the festival which really examine um, lead characters who are women um, and the very sort of toxic influence of masculinity in their lives. There's a, um, a great short we have in the festival called The Shipment coming out of Canada, and it is a similar sort of story in that it's a, a father-daughter relationship in deep space. Um, so... I think when we did the calculation, 64% of our lineup of our films, including both features and shorts, met the Screen Australia criteria for gender equality. And that was a total fluke. That's not something we went after. But I just found a lot of the narratives in science fiction at the moment uh, uh, reacting to whether it's the Me Too movement or whether it's the, the sort of the, uh, the kickback against the patriarchy or something like that. But there's a lot of really interesting stories in science fiction at the moment that are that are dealing with that. I think it's encouraging to see science fiction uh, and genre filmmaking taking the lead when it comes to progressive ideals, because I think that's always been a part of science fiction um, throughout its history that seems to have sort of fallen by the wayside Mm. in recent decades. You're absolutely right. The um, sort of the the vision that the filmmakers we have in the festival are showing um, that extends to uh, sentient robotics artificial intelligence we've got this great documentary on the Sunday afternoon called More Human Than Human um, which looks a filmmaker a documentary maker decides to figure out you know Robots will take over car manufacturing and they'll take over the mechanical side of our society, but will they ever take over the creative side? Is my job at risk, he's asking himself. So he sets about trying to find a robot that can tell a story, that can feel the emotion in creating a narrative, and the finding in the film is really disturbing. <laughs> they get Richard Linklater involved to see if he if he thinks his robot might um, might have the goods to be a filmmaker one day, and, and yeah, the findings are really disturbing. That's interesting. It reminds me of uh, whether or not it was true or not, Lars von Trier claimed that a film he made called The Boss of It All um, was partly directed by a computer uh, wow. 10 years ago or so. The, co- the computer framed the shots, apparently. Oh, that's so. fascinating. And it's changing. The way it's presented in this film is um, it, it's not that far away. In fact, many would say it's already happening. I was really interested reading about this documentary. Does it take an optimistic view, like a, a view of celebrating progress, or is it more of a, a cautionary tale? Because most of the people I talk to about robotics these days are pretty terrified. When it finally gets around, gets around to um, uh, drawing conclusions, 
they are a little worrying. They are a little sort of disturbing the way it plays out in the end. Along the way, there's lots of optimism to be had um, as to how robots, robots will um, become part of uh, medical procedures, become part of our sexuality and our sexual lives. Um, but when it gets down to will they be able to think to the extent of creating emotional full stories as we know them as humans to be, well, you'll have to see the film, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> I think I just might. Uh, changing tack slightly, going from the very sort of serious themes to somewhat, I guess, lighter themes, the film from Dominican Republic, Peaches, oh. that really intrigued me because I was like, well, I want to fight different versions of myself to win back my partner. <laughs> That's something I really want to do. <laughs> you'll love the film. It's, it's actually based on an Australian film called The Infinite Man from back in 2013, 2014, something like yep. that. He had a, the young director of the Australian film, whose name eludes me, I do apologise, um, had, he had a huge amount of success with that uh, selling the concept onto other countries and peaches or melacatones in the uh, the original uh, language um, is one of the best versions of the story. It's it gets quite dark in places. It gets a little bit violent as well. So this goes. To, it, it looks at the very comic side of having to uh, deal with yourself and and um, and I just realised, having said that, it's very similar to the film that opened Suft, Mega Time Squad, the New Zealand yes. film. It has a similar sort of comedic beat to it. It, it did the pre- my mind. The premise, or the thematic underpinning of it at least, r- reminds me actually a bit of Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Yeah. Would you say that's accurate? There's absolutely that. Um, they haven't always been successful, those stories. I know Michael Keaton tried it a few years back with Multiplicity and the cloning comedy hasn't really sort of hit any great heights. Um, that's addressed in in Scott Pilgrim, in Peaches, in Mega, in Mega Time Squad. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's great Saturday afternoon viewing, actually. Cool. And another was the 30th anniversary of Miracle Mile. I, I don't remember. I have faint memories of watching this as a kid. Mm. But now I'm going to actually like, you know, see whether it holds up as an adult, which is an interesting choice always, because things you admire as a kid don't always transcend as an adult. That's very true. Um, I, it barely got any sort of cinema release here in Australia. It played the Valhalla at Glebe um, back in 88, maybe 89. Uh, it was made in 88. Um, it's always been a film that I loved in a past life when there were such things as video stores around. I was a sales rep and I got to sell the film into video stores and I sold it very passionately because when I saw it. Um, I'd only ever seen it, still only ever seen it on VHS, on video. So um, I'm very keen to see it on the big screen. There's a yes, to- little kids. VHS was a thing back then. It's yeah. yeah. Is look, that my Buffy VHS? Look it up, kids. It's a- <laughs> Google it. <laughs> Google it, kids, yeah. Um, uh, Steve Dejeuner, the director of it, became a friend a few years back um, when I wrote a piece about Miracle Mile for Screen Space. And uh, he was, he's recorded an introduction for the film, stars a very young Anthony Edwards, a beautiful Mayor Winningham. Um, and in this sort of time when, you know, the finger is poised over the button more so than any time than since the 1980s, it's, it's suddenly a very relevant, very scary and, uh, and, and still a really wonderful film. Now, we've asked about the films we want to see. Is there anything that jumps out at you, a personal favourite or something that we haven't covered that you think our listeners should check out at the festival? Yeah. Sunday afternoon, screening before More Human Than Human is a Lebanese short film called Manavel, The Last Days of the Man of Tomorrow. Um, It travels, it, uh, it tells the story of an android that was given to the people of Lebanon by the people of France back in the 1950s. 40 years later, he's living in a small apartment in the middle of Lebanon trying to get on with his life. Um, imagine... That's a fantastic premise. Yeah, it, and it's a gorgeous film, beautiful to look at. Imagine 
Terry Gilliam with a big steampunk influence um, and a real sort of E.T. vibe, a real sort of sweetheart to it. Um, get along and see that one on the Sunday afternoon. Also, Invaders, screening before... Canaries on Friday night. Invaders is a UK film about these two little UFOs that come down to a family house on Christmas Eve and havoc ensues. If you loved an old film called Batteries Not Included, um, then yep, you'll love Invaders. Yeah. Okay. So it looks like the shots are really something to look out for. Oh, it's a gorgeous film, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And if we want to get tickets, how do we get there? You can go to the Event Cinema's website and just go to Sci-Fi and then all the films pop up. Uh, you can go to scififilmfestival.com, which is the festival website, and there's links to all the tickets there. Um, just Google them. We'll pop up somehow. Beautiful. Well, I'm keen to get along, and I'm already got tickets to a few. I'm seeing UFO and a couple of others. Oh, so wonderful. I'm excited. And so, Simon, thank you so much for talking all things Sci-Fi Film Festival. No, I'm only just getting started. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. And we'll be talking more in a moment about the newest film in cinemas very shortly. The newest film in the saga of A Star Is Born. That's what it is now. It really is a saga. (laughs) Yes, it adds to all the star... You know, oh, yeah, yeah. footage. A star is born at the opening <laughs> night of the Sci-Fi Film Festival. Your hot love, if you're listening, then, you know this. This is this is obviously has to be in the new new one. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to Film Fight Club. That was the inestimable and amazing Lady Gaga with Shallow. Uh, probably the most promoted and I think my favorite song from the movie we saw last night, which is A Star Is Born, which will surely be a contender for a best picture come the season. Yes, it's being released during our period of no new content for the Toysia Supporters <laughs> Drive. So we'll be back with the rest of the films releasing in this period. But for now, yes, it is coming out two weeks. on the 18th. So the you won't be seeing it tomorrow, but eight days from now. But yes, it is the new film. You might have not have seen Bradley Cooper in a while because he has been hard at work directing, writing and starring in this. And has- co-writing a lot of the songs as well. As did Lady Gaga. He stars in this together with her. It is the third remake of the 30s film. Uh, it was originally made famous by the Judy Garland, James Mason version. From 1954, yep. And Barbara Streisand. In 1976. This is the latest remake. For 45 years it took. 45 years. There's also a 1970s Bollywood version of this movie, which if you want to see card, you can ask me. <laughs> the, fourth, also, the fourth remake. There's also the 1930s Janet Gaynor version, so you've got to go all the way back to the original. So it, there's plenty of incarnations. Right. I've got a little homework to do on this one, because now having seen this, I am keen to watch it. It is the classic story we have seen time and time again of a successful rock star who is somewhat aging out of the business and encounters a young up-and-coming but undiscovered talent here played by Lady Gaga and the trials and tribulations of both finding fame, acquiring fame and what happens when you reach that peak. Simon, what did we think of A Star is Born? Well, I'd heard a, a great deal of buzz about it coming out of, I think, Venice, where it premiered. I might be mistaken there. Um, oh, man, the hype was huge. The hype was huge. It was standing ovations. And I kind of get that. It's a beautiful-looking film. Bradley Cooper proves himself to be a, a really talented director and a, sort of a very evocative director, too. Some of the, the, the shots he, he conjured were really beautiful. Um, I, sh- 
I think he's aided by a really good DP here. Um, yep. The Matthew Libertique shot it, who's Darren Aronofsky's regular DP, and some of the ducking and weaving handheld stuff reminded me of what Aronofsky was doing in Mother last year. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And he plays. He's great as the leading man as well. Um, I endured. I've got to say, all the versions of A Star Is Born leading up to this film. Um, I, I even that the the one they consider a classic, the Judy Garland version. I had lots of problems with it. Hasn't aged well at all. Um, I've got to almost say that this is probably the best version of the story I've seen. Still with reservations, there's still some sort of character arcs that just don't cut it for me, don't ring true. But overall, I thought Gaga was great and Cooper was terrific. Shamefully, I have not seen any of the previous versions of A Star Is Born. I, I told myself I was going to catch up with them all before this one came out, and then same didn't happen. Yeah, it did not happen. <laughs> I've had a busy month, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I definitely agree that a lot of the character arcs didn't really cut the mustard here. Um, I think the film's at its best in the opening third or so. I think it really nails the fantasy of your life completely changing, you know, because of a miraculous moment. The way that that Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga play, they're falling in love with each other, um, and the performance scenes built around that, I think, are really magical, and the film completely succeeds at what it's trying to do. Um, as it went on, I, ha- I had some problems, I guess, with the narrative focus of this. Mm. I think... Same, very strongly. Yeah. I think um, it's both to the film's... Uh, strength and uh, weakness that the focus is very much on the relationship between these two people. Um, I think everything else that happens, like um, questions of selling out, um, the issues of Bradley Cooper's character Jackson Maine's alcoholism, um, questions of um, finding your voice creatively are all just kind of tangential. Mm. Um, They're they're sort of happening in the background, but the focus is kept on the relationship. And I think that's mostly a good thing. Um, But I think Lady Gaga's character falls by the wayside. Like, I think Bradley Cooper's focus is on his own character. Mm. You know, he dominates the film. It's all about his struggles with addiction, um, the bad choices he makes. So I think... They needed a really, really strong actress to bring something to the Ali character, the female lead, to lift her up and dominate the film more. Mm. Um, and I don't think Lady Gaga has that kind of presence as an actress. I think she's good. I think she mostly stood out as a as a performer. Yeah. I also don't scenes. think. I also don't think that the. The character trajectory that that Ali, the, the Lady Gaga character, goes through, and the Barbara Streisand and the Judy Garland character in the other versions of the film, I don't think it's a very interesting arc. She's discovered, no. and she progressively becomes more famous and becomes the superstar that she is off screen. So there's nothing very surprising about what happens in that arc. Yeah. Um, so it all falls down to the Chris Christopherson, the James Mason, and this one, the Bradley Cooper character, um, to, to carry the film, which I think he does in this very well. But they're still, you know, it's a it's a seven and a half out of ten rather than a, than a ten for me. Right? Yeah. yeah, I I feel like it would be more interesting if the focus, yeah, if somebody who isn't a huge star mm. was cast. Yeah, and this is Gaga is an exceptional performer. She's exceptionally ex- she has great expression, yep. which means the, the her best moment of the film is actually an unspoken moment, which happened right before the scene we played now, where she's just getting up the courage to go out on stage for the first time. The issue with me for this film was that the film is about a very famous star. It is a film for famous by famous people 
for famous people, about famous people. Usually we get the perspective of the Lady Gaga character. We didn't in this one. And I think it's emblematic of this film that of, of an entire film composed of concerts and gigs, there is not a single shot of an audience member or from the audience. You, you, there's remarkable. a few brief um, flashes where the camera pans over a, a crowd shot, but whenever the people are on stage, it's always shallow focus cinematography. You know, this is about these these two performers. Mm. It's it really doesn't touch on the way that the public relates to. Um, it's not about the public. It's not about. Yeah, us. it's definitely mm. a film Hollywood made film. by a megastar because it's about. That world—it's not about how their art reflects on people. That that stuff is is only mentioned briefly, sort of at the end. Which I think speaks to your comment about it being an Oscar contender. I think Hollywood will sort of latch onto this for it being, yes, a, a beautifully shot movie star kind of movie, but also a fairly honest and dark and unusual sort of look at the the trials and tribulations of fame, which Hollywood loves. Interesting. Then would you say the title should instead be "A Star Is Made, Not A Star Is Born"? But it's so captivating and this is the thing um these because glo- stars are made you know if you're talking about hollywood actually mechanizing and you know putting out these people in kind of like a factory line then yes the, the star the, is the, made the, rather the, the than thing, born it isn't really about the the mechanization it's this is a really intimate character thing about one person gifting fame to somebody else essentially mm. yeah the like, to, to pick up on your metaphor stars Explode when they begin, and this is what happens in the film. And each of the and there's an equivalent scene in each of these films, and that is by far and above the best scene in the film with best song in the film. Speaking of the songs, um, we didn't characterize this film earlier. It's a really unusual genre mashup, and that it is a musical drama, mm. and it's very rare. And it is a musical that has all the beats of a musical. Whenever there is a yeah. new song, things stop, and it's all about the it's music. About the and music. the music is relevant to the story and actually advances, yes, which musicals true. very rarely do. And whatever reservations I had about the drama, the music is great. The music is fantastic. Oh, yeah. um, Bradley Cooper is sort of playing this like country rock um, and has actually a pretty damn good voice. Yeah. He, oh, yeah. he, he, I believe him as a rock star in this. Um, Had some great scenes with Sam Elliott as well as the, the brother who um, uh, sort of they've got a dark history themselves and it's, uh, they had some really tough scenes together. I think my issue um, when I was saying before that it's maybe to the film's detriment that it's so strongly focused on um, the relationship is that, um, and I think the reason why the, a lot of the beats surrounding Bradley Cooper's character's descent and his relationship with his brother and his family generally don't really land so much for me is because the film f- seems kind of torn. Like, as I said earlier, it seems like Bradley Cooper's focus is on himself. So the film is halfway between being an intimate study of a relationship and half, you know, the other half uh, that there's a tug of war going on with is a character study of a self destructive. Alcoholic celebrity, and, the and I think character is not Bradley Cooper. Yeah, I think if the film had um, really committed to the other side, that is the character study of Bradley Cooper's character, it could have been and developed those beats and those relationships out in a more believable way. It could have been a stronger film because that really seems to be where Bradley Cooper's focus is in terms of all the beats of the film and how much um, his character dominates the plot. It's interesting that Bradley Cooper seems to be really uh, drawn to these sorts of roles because a few years back we had him in Burnt where he's playing... Not a good movie. No, not a good movie, but an amazing performance where he's playing a self-destructive drug addict. Mm. Very similar to this. And he's played hints of, of similar characters in other movies. And I just disappointed we got like, Sam, Sam Elliott and uh, Dave Chappelle in a brief yet great role. He's such a... He's actor, so yeah. charming, effortlessly. Yeah, yeah, he had a great couple of close-ups in there and it, it's... Um... 
he's looking older, he's looking more mature, um, and there's a real sort of future for him as a you know a, 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 a character actor in roles. Like yeah, this. I think so. Um, speaking of close-ups, every shot in this film was mid shots or, sh- or like chest up. Mm. There was no long shots anywhere except for a few moments on stage when someone's picked out of the bushes what is going on it feels like it was very constricted i get bradley cooper is an actor's director and he wants to focus on performances but it still felt so constricted and confined i think it's the trend in a lot of cinematography these days as we see more and more things made for the smaller screen of netflix people watching things on their phones it's all going to be mid shots like tv and close-ups but oh, nonetheless, that's, a, that's worrying that the great sort of art of cinematography is being dictated to, that because of the format that it's headed for. I'm, not, I'm worried about that. Yeah, I am too. I still think, though, they, they do conjure up, as you say, beautiful shots sure. in this film. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, I'd recommend seeing it. I think, And it will get a lot of buzz come February, come Oscar season. So I think it's one worth checking out. Yeah. Um, in closing out, Glenn was touching on earlier saying this is really a movie for um, Hollywood and people in that industry of fame. But I think the aspect of the film that will resonate for people who aren't so into that is a quite honest depiction of alcoholism and being in a relationship with a self-destructive person and, yeah, the sacrifices involved in that. So that is A Star Is Born. It'll be in cinemas from the 18th, as and as will the Sci-Fi Film Festival, which you should check out. We're going to be there, and we're pumped to see it. Simon, thank you so much for joining us, talking all things A Star Is Born. This has been my pleasure. And Sci-Fi Film Festival, it's going to be oh, it's going to be so good. Love sci-fi, getting excited. So in our last minute, uh, we will be back on a pot next week with the 2SER Supporters Drive. Support 2SER, we're really good. Listen to we our show. Real Radio. Real, real Radio 2SER. 107.3. Us. So one thing you should check out, uh, we will be along at the Deer Hunter, which is screening at Afters. Um, with Cinema Reborn crew put this on at 2 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, it's a pretty cool thing. It's a remastered version of Cimino's film. Cimino. Uh, do, 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 do check it out. Uh, so stay tuned for the Sonic Assassin. The most in... Sultry voice on radio. Yes. <laughs> Inappropriately named... But best sounding voice. Well, he kills you with his voice. Right. That's he what does. it means. Okay, now I get it. Oh, I've got to hear this. Oh, it's, it's Well, stay tuned. This has been Glenn Falconson, Chris Evans, Frightening Root, and Simon Foster. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy movies. Good night.